Welcome to The Teaching Edge, the podcast where we explore the intersection of education and technology, from the latest innovations in tech to best practices for integrating technology in the classroom. We are here to help teachers and educators stay current and find new ways to enhance their teaching and their students' success. Join us as we discuss the latest trends and innovations in educational technology and hear from experts in the field. Get ready to level up your understanding of technology and take your teaching to the next level with the Teaching Edge podcast. Visit our website at theteachingedge.org. Welcome to another installment of the Teaching Edge podcast. And today we meet with Ross Garrett, the CEO of PracticePal, who has built an ecosystem for music education, including schools, music teachers, students, and parents. In our conversation, we talk about the unique challenges of music teachers and the interface with the academic teachers, how PracticePal produces better practice and better musicians, and also about the fascinating topic of how music itself impacts the brain and the importance of having music in a student's life. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Teaching Edge podcast. Today with me is Ross Garrett, the founder and CEO of PracticePal, a very unique platform for her helping music teachers in schools and for students learning music to practice better. When I was young, music played a big part in my life, and I know that getting students motivated and excited about lessons and practice, as well as the music teachers themselves, is of great importance, and PracticePal is using tech for these purposes and more. Welcome, Ross, to the Teaching Edge podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, that's a that's a great opportunity. Uh, actually, actually, I I love speaking to people about music, and I don't get a lot of chances to speak about how technology um, works with music and with music teachers. So this is very very unique. Uh, thank you for being here, and uh, let's maybe start by talking uh, about how uh, music is taught around the world. Uh, Uh, you are uh, based in the UK and work a lot in uh, schools in the UK, but obviously you know a lot about how music is taught around the world and the main challenges that music teachers face. So uh, that would be a good starting point uh, you know, to, uh, to un- understand the world of the music teacher. Yes, absolutely. It, the world of a music teacher is a unique individual, slightly strange at times. Um, it is, it's definitely different to what you might think of when you say music teacher. You might think of the teacher that you had in class who would stand at the front and teach you about dynamics and the history of music, whatever it might be. Or maybe it was a choir if you, you were fortunate enough. Um, but actually, often what we're talking about, um, what I'm talking about um, with PracticePal, is about instrumental music teachers. So those, those music teachers who kind of go alongside the music departments, get alongside schools and teach instrumental music by, uh, within the, 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 the school day where they're generally taking children out of academic lessons, maybe teaching them one-to-one or one to small group. Um, and they're doing that, that part of the, the kind of music education. Now, It is completely unique because it's a school within a school. So the music department, it, it, it's almost its own entity within a school, which is often kind of, it's, it's not really seen, it's not visible in the same way as the other academic subjects. But actually, in a lot of schools, the, the number of music lessons happening each week is greater than the number of academic lessons happening each week. So this is really, really active. You know, if you, if you think about a school of maybe a thousand children or something like that, you'll probably have 
maybe 150 of those having a lesson a week, uh, maybe 200. So you're having 200, 150 to 200 lessons a week, which are happening alongside the academic timetable. Now, that is a timetabling nightmare, unless you're going to be taking them out of the same lesson every week. Um, and as soon as you start to factor in other activities that happen at school, so, you know, school trips, exams, tests, whatever it is, it it just becomes very, very difficult. Plus, you're kind of outside of that sphere. So communication with other teachers, with parents, with students is more complex as well. Now, you mentioned the kind of difference between UK and 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 the, the kind of global way of um, teaching instrumental music. And there's, there's kind of broadly two main camps. So you have kind of the American model, which is the, the band system. So you kind of if you think of those American teen dramas, uh, you, you often have the the, yeah. the the people who are in the, the band. Um, and that's different to kind of the British, which I I don't want to say it's kind of the orchestral model because it's it, it's not really so much about that. It's it's more if you like the kind of individual um, aspect of it. So you, you teach much more in groups. It's it's often kind of timetabled into the curriculum or uh, sorry into the school day or after school, whatever it is. Uh, whereas in the UK, it's it's this kind of running alongside everything else that a child is doing yeah and 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 uh, you have background as a as a musical instrument teacher yourself and uh, and you have yeah. um, um and you've been in touch with uh, obviously many many uh, um uh, music teachers uh, with with what you do uh, so um what is Absolutely. this main challenge for them what what happens on in a typical day for someone you know, be, before uh, before a meeting practice pal before meeting practice pal so you will have spent far too long trying to look through the school calendar look through the schedule work out the different timetables for all your different students you know i think of when i was teaching at um uh prep school in in london i had 22 students uh each year group has a different timetable some of those timetables change term to term there's subjects you're not allowed to take them out of you need to make sure they haven't missed the same subjects each week you've got the school calendar you've got extra restrictions like the sports events which are happening you've got the school trips you've got the ones who are away for dentist appointments etc etc now so uh, the day kind of like if you like starts with working out when on earth you're going to be able to teach all of these children when they're actually going to be in school and available for a lesson. So you might spend, I, I don't know, half an hour to an hour per day of your, your teaching, um, just trying to work out where, where to be teaching them. Then you'll go into school and you will um, find that your students do not remember when their music lessons are, yeah. Um, yeah. despite it being on the notice board or whatever else. And so you go and fetch them and the academic teacher goes, oh, no, you've come to take them. Do you have to take them out of this lesson? We're going to do a really fun thing. And then the, the, the child's like, oh, no, but I don't know if I want to go to this lesson now that the teacher doesn't want me to leave. Anyway, so then you have to kind of negotiate their exit. Um, you finally get them back to the teaching room. You've lost maybe 10 minutes of the lesson time by this point. Um, you get going with the, the student and you quickly realise that 
they haven't actually thought about their musical instruments since the last week. So you reteach the lesson that you taught them last week um, and you try and make a tiny bit of progress. Um, and then you quickly try and write down some notes to send to their parents, email to their parents later on or something like that so that they can try and help them practice at home and make sure that you don't have to reteach them again the next week. And then you you go through the same thing with the next student who doesn't remember that it's their music lesson. And then you go and fetch them. And then you find out that there's something that didn't make it onto the school calendar or didn't get copied into you with an email. And you find out that that's actually scuppered maybe five lessons of your day. So you try and rearrange those lessons, because if you don't manage to rearrange those lessons, you're not going to get paid for those lessons. So you need to rearrange those lessons because you want to get paid. You want them to have their lesson that week. Uh, you don't want them to be having another week where they don't make progress. And then you go and fetch them at the times that they didn't know they should be coming because they didn't even get a chance to look on the notice board. So I hope I'm painting for you a picture of um, chaos, I think, <laughs> because it is very much managing chaos. Um, and music teachers do an incredible job, actually, on the whole, in managing that chaos to an extent that the school just thinks of them as being slightly disorganized and doesn't realize that they're actually pretty, on the whole, they're pretty incredibly organized. It's just that the scale of what they're trying to coordinate and organize is so far beyond uh, what is is normal for other teachers. Yeah, and I, I would expect for, uh, for teachers who are listening to us who are not uh, musical instrument teachers, uh, they, they see it from the other side, you know, lessons being interrupted. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, maybe absolutely. they are very happy for the uh, for the student to be uh, uh, learning their instrument, but uh, um, but not as happy as uh, stopping the lesson and uh, and rearranging things uh, around that. And uh, I can imagine it can become very very frustrating. And I think also it's a very uh, uh, it's a missed opportunity for uh, for everyone involved, um, mm. and, um, especially with the kind of impact that music has in the student's life, uh, which we'll talk about yeah. a bit later. Uh, but uh, let, let's talk well, about uh, you, you know I um I know you arrived at your current uh, solution uh, with practice pal from coming from a different place, and uh, and uh, I'd love for us to talk about that. But specifically for for uh, for uh, uh, for these kinds of challenges, what happens when they, you know, and discover what they can do with their practice pal? What happens then? Well, one of the things that you pointed out is, yeah, that, that actually academic teachers on the whole are, are pretty positive about instrumental music education. Yeah. Uh, they just don't like finding out about it two seconds before a child is meant to be leaving their lesson. Um, and so, you know, it, it's it's hard to kind of encompass the whole of what, uh, practice pal the, the kind of management solution for uh music departments does but it, it, kind of highlighting a couple of features might help illustrate the point so you know there's a feature for example where we can match up automatically the teaching timetables of the music lessons with their academic lessons and find which teachers are going to be affected and we we ping them an email in the morning and say these children are going to be um leaving your lessons today these are the times they're going to be leaving so, so they know well in academic teachers yeah. Act exactly yeah, yeah. They, they they can plan around it and and you know what we've really seen from the schools using practice pal is it's it's almost like this this thing has 
operated as a relationship counselor between this this broken relationship between the instrumental music teacher and the academic music teacher now that there's that communication which is happening uh between them which wouldn't be possible without without the kind of without the automations um it, they they're actually you know they're, they're best of friends now you know it's repairing the relationships so i i guess that's kind of one thing but um uh, I'm trying to remember what your your kind of question was. It was, no, it was about exactly the... that. What, what what do they find when they start using? So first, you say the academic teacher mm. is notified in in advance yeah. because because yeah. the systems are matched. So uh, yeah. So so uh, so yeah. what do you do? Do you connect to the um, to the actual uh, school system? Yeah, we integrate directly with the management information system. Yeah, that that schools use. So we integrate with about thirty six MIS systems, I think, and um, and that's so, that's so how a lot of this kind of automation can happen. So you really did individual integrations with many many MIS systems uh, um, that you can. No, individual would be uh, that. That's not quite that's not quite accurate. We use um we use the Wand API, um, and then. We have we have a few kind of specific things that we've had to vary for different MIS okay. systems. Okay. So there's even when you're using a, a if you like a, a kind of conduit, the the third party, yeah. um, there's surprising number of differences between the different MIS um, by the time you get the data. But um, it yeah, I, I mean actually we did a survey recently of our teachers and there were a few things that like had really clearly changed one was student punctuality so not having to fetch the children in the first place because they're getting the automatic notifications telling them when their lesson's going to be their parents are getting those notifications as well plus if they've got practice spell installed on their like mobile phone or their device or whatever they're getting a push notification telling them now is the time to go to your music lesson off you go you know toddle along and um that actually works uh which is is great so uh, punctuality was scored really highly on what had changed um and i thought it was interesting we also just asked like has has it made you enjoy teaching more oh, i mean the sorry the other obvious one is scheduling so massive reduction in scheduling time because we've basically taken it from around where it had been sort of half an hour per day per week of teaching would be your scheduling um, we've got that down to about 30 to 60 seconds per day per week. Wow. So a huge reduction in the scheduling. But then just asking the question, like, has like how has this changed your pleasure in teaching? Has it affected it? Has it or, or has it not made any difference at all? Um, and it was really interesting to see just how how many teachers said that actually, yeah, this this has has changed it for the better. Um admittedly, we had one who said this has changed it for the worst and I would like practice pal to vanish. Um, but, uh, you know, that, <laughs> I, I, I can accept one, yeah. one who just hates what we're doing. I, I think maybe they hated technology. Um, but I, I actually, it raises a different point. And I, I wouldn't want to say that this was the, where the teacher was coming from, but one of the things that I was really keen for was for there to be accountability in the quality of teaching that is being provided because because it sits outside of the the kind of curriculum time, the academic schedule, it doesn't have the same oversight or accountability. So it's really hard to 
to know what's going on week to week and what's the quality like are students making progress things like that so with practice pal it brings that accountability and oversight which means that senior leaders and your music department lead know exactly what is going on and we've actually had it from one school where they've said okay we have actually discovered that one of our teachers was basically not teaching and we've now had to dismiss them and we've brought in another teacher and that instrument is flourishing yeah um in the school so uh, you know it's it's it 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 is something that there will be some people yeah who, who don't like it because we are bringing um oversight and accountability to to instrumental music in schools yeah that's wonderful and the, and what about uh you know you mentioned that the teacher the teacher would have the student come in uh unprepared didn't uh, didn't remember uh what had been done in the um uh, uh previous lesson how is how has that changed yeah so I, I was really keen not to have to reteach my pupils so I was like okay yeah. well how, how can we make this so that I don't have to reteach the same lesson um how can I make something that is actually helpful for my students and there's a few things um the right from the kind of the the basics was which was just in okay there's this traditional thing that we we use which is the the practice notebook the practice diary whatever you want to call it and yeah. it's it tends to be a thing with lines line paper on one side and manuscript on the other side loads of schools have them and this basically um you know is an ongoing battle for whether you can get this book to get from the teacher to home and back again um okay. and to, to convey the information in those directions so but you know the basic thing that we do is that in lessons you've got if you like a digital practice book so you've got the place where you're putting your notes you can upload media take photos but you can also record safeguarded video clips and that is really cool because then you can either get the child to be recording the things that you've been working on playing the the bars they, they they've learned the new rhythms to things like that or you can record demos yourself which means that when they're practicing they've got access to that um from the app they can see your notes they can see the videos that you've uploaded so they can make sure that they are practicing the right rhythms with the right dynamics or whatever it is that you're you're working out with them but then even further than that what we've done is 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 pretty cool um it's pretty exciting so we we've made the first virtual practice corridor so students can and I, I tested this out on my students first I mean that that was actually how practice Bell came to be um and some of the parents of those students then went on to be our initial investors the the yeah. people who put money into practice Bell and said look go for it you've got to make this a company because this yeah. is crazy um and so with those with, with this virtual practice corridor what we've done is we've made it so that multiple students can can check in at the same time from their devices and you can have a, a practice mentor or a practice guide whatever you want to call them and that guide can hear those students um kind of audio audio audially spaced i don't know what yeah. word i should be using yeah, there yeah, yeah. but as in like you can you can kind of hear them from left to right so the um, in your headphones app, uh, the, so the students have your app turned on listening to what they do yeah 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 okay Yep. So they pop pop their phone on the music stand so the, the the mentor can see and hear what they're doing, but they can't hear the other students or see the other students, things like that. So it, it, it's kind of like 
a personal training, but if you're music practice, or if you think of live chat support, if you've ever had that, where um, you, you've got someone who's kind of helping you through, um, the guide kind of acts in that way, sending messages, in, encouraging when it, where it's going well, helping you spot the, the bits to work on. And this concept is really kind of stolen from specialist music schools where they have they they have full-time uh employees generally um generally sort of um uh, gap gap year students or um yeah or just after graduate uh just early graduate students who spend a year being a practice supervisor and so they'll wander the corridors making sure everyone's doing their music practice and an actual, an the, actual the, corridor, the children not a virtual corridor but an actual an actual, an actual yeah. corridor yeah, yeah with lots of different practice rooms. So basically we, we thought, well, look, that, that works for specialist music schools. Why don't we steal that idea, but then try and do it better? Um, so we can actually make it so that you can really hear all, all the students. We can make it so that you can you can give them feedback and encouragement and smiley faces and emojis um, that can 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 help them uh, get the kind of dopamine hit of uh, excitement as they're, they're, they're practicing. Because you know, I, I found practice hard as a child. I, I found it very hard. I often, you know, often my best practice was actually when my my mum was supervising my practice and encouraging me to, to play. So I, I definitely felt a lot of sympathy for my students and, and thought, yeah, we, we've got to find a way to, to make this work. And, um, you know, I'm quite excited that that's, that's one of the aspects that we're, we're pushing um, more in terms of development over the next um, six months. And so we're we're going to start leaning into the gamification elements of that and it feeds and then all of the kind of practice tracking and experience and progress feeds back into what the teacher sees week to week yeah so that that's very significant because it's way more than just uh, helping uh, the teacher's schedule and uh, arriving time well, obviously uh, uh, obviously that's a huge leap suddenly uh, they are easily dismissed for their lesson and the lesson is uh, longer and it's more focused, but yeah. you actually yeah, yeah. have teaching tools within what you've developed uh, for the lesson itself and for something that the uh, um, uh, the child can take home with him or her. And then uh, additionally, if they want to uh, to use this also as a, as a supervised practice tool, uh, that adds even more. So uh, it's it's um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's going beyond the scheduling itself and helping the music teacher. It's actually helping the uh, the student learn yeah. better. Yeah, the yeah. the way we've tended, well, the way we started out by always kind of describing practice pal um, was as an ecosystem. So this idea that actually it's where all the different roles involved in music education um, flourish together um symbiotically so you know you've got your parents you've got your students teachers schools multi-academy trusts school networks groups all, all of those kind of different roles within live within the ecosystem and we've we've made the platform that links them all together and that means that for each role what basically you know we can we can remove a lot of the faff improve the the communication and the effectiveness um of what is being done and yeah, that's 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 really cool. I mean, actually, we we then started not to call it an ecosystem because, um, in some ways, we weren't developed enough for 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 people to understand that that yeah. has been the vision. Yeah. And it's almost like we need to kind of start bringing it back because we're kind of getting to the point where you look at it and you go, "Oh, okay, I get it now." Yes, that yeah. that's how the ecosystem hangs yeah. together. Yeah, well, I I could call it a. Um... 
musical education platform just you know maybe it's it's a, maybe it, uh, it doesn't sound uh, ecosystem uh, is still uh, too grand uh, okay yeah yeah we'll go with that sure yeah yeah but, yeah. but it, it really you do, you do connect you know you do connect everyone together and and do you find uh, yeah. so uh, uh, do you do you find that uh, sometimes the um, the music teachers are also these practice supervisors or are these two separate roles usually so they the two separate roles so the you to become like a really good practice supervisor mental on our platform um does take training um and it does take real skill um now so we those those supervisors and mentors are all that that in-house trained so we have 20 at the moment yeah um and they go through they not only go through a rigorous i don't want to call it examination uh sort of pr- process but it's more a kind of rigorous interview process if you like where um for, for example they they kind of sit a um they sit a test um and they're tested on lots of different things the the wildest you can get a kind of notation and music theory alongside um their musical understanding etc set because our mentors are actually supervising multiple different instruments simultaneously so we need them not only to be really good musicians in their own particular instrument um that the kind of strongest instrument we need them to understand the 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 basic practicalities of kind of how technique applies to all the different families of musical instruments mm-hmm. and um and and at least for, so for you know for example like on the the test that we we set them to begin with one one of the things that we say kind of at the beginning is basically remember that you do have google you have internet um because what we're really testing is how well do you understand do you understand well enough that you can figure out the answers um in real time so it's 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 re- it's it's a very time pressured test because when you're mentoring students like i, I had a early on i was uh, when we had a kind of minimum viable product of of our practice corridor i was supervising a trumpeter and i don't play trumpet i don't play any brass instruments um and um she asked me what the fingering was for uh one of the the notes that she was practicing yeah, yeah. um and so i i needed to i needed to, to know to understand enough to be able to very quickly work out what the fingering was for the note check whether i'd missed anything in terms of um uh, transposition because obviously trumpet is written in b flat and i wanted to make sure that i wasn't accidentally reading the wrong clef and etc etc et um and and give her the fingering and that's that's what we're that kind of adaptability uh, that ability to support the practice it's it's kind of it's kind of different to teaching now with with teaching you've got loads of responsibility for technique for the way the student is going to be developing the material they look at when you introduce all the different material etc etc the the practice mentor is is just there to help you rehearse what your teacher has said yeah. or done or yeah set you um and so yeah different different skills different roles but we do but coming back to your initial question and i realize i've rambled a little bit but um yes we actually have quite a few teachers who 
say I'm really enjoying using practice pal for my teaching and I'm interested in uh, the guided practice element um do you have any vacancies can can we become practice mentors and that's great I, yeah. I, I love those messages okay that's great so from the parent point of view if I look at this as a parent I I may be uh, seeing my child uh, practicing uh, or getting lessons at school I I understand that um, that uh, they are using practice pal I can see the app being used and then uh, suddenly I see this additional option if I want my child to practice more or better or more accurately at home which is really what makes progress yeah. so yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah now about and, um, yeah uh, go ahead I was just going to say, and we, yeah, we, the, the results of, of, of the difference in progress uh, have been quite staggering in, in, in what we've seen. So it, it seems to be pretty standard um, now that, that you, you, the students we're seeing make about three times the rate of progress as students not using practice spell. Um, the, the big question for me is, is how much of that is down to actually they just weren't practicing before using practice spell and how much of that is down to the quality of, of what we're doing? Um, you know, I'd like to say there's a, you know, there's a good bit of the quality there as well. But I, I think actually the majority is that by having that interaction, it means that they do practice. And in many ways, there's no, there's nothing wrong with, with the fact that the best thing that we're doing is we're getting them to have more contact time with their instrument. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is making a huge, huge impact yeah, and they're enjoying it. Yeah. I'm guessing that a shared frustration, both for the teacher and the parent, is is lack of practice or uh, ineffective practice. I'm, I'm guessing this is yes. a, a just yeah. a sh- shared frustration it, because uh, the parent uh, yeah uh, they 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 want they try to uh, to progress more and uh, obviously if they're investing in it uh, obviously um yeah and, uh, and yeah uh, yeah and uh, let, let's um let's talk a bit about more uh, maybe this is um uh, not not at the core of the uh, technology itself but the, uh, but let's talk a bit about the music itself and what music does to children. Mm. And, and I think this is important also for uh, teachers who are listening to us, uh, who are the academic teachers, not the music teachers. And maybe even the music teachers, uh, you have a, uh, a lot of understanding of what actually uh, music does to a person who is studying it. So uh, let's just say a few words about this. I think it's important information mm. for people mm. to have. Yes, uh, it's well. It's kind of my favourite subject. So thanks for teeing it up. Uh, it gives me a chance to to t- tell everyone the the key takeaway is that if you're going to remember anything, remember myelination, because then you can go away and Google it. Yeah. Um, but so myelination, um, what's that all about? So okay, we've got to take this back to what what do you want to be happening? if you like, in the brain of or to the children as they learn. So do you want to be increasing the the amount of data that their brains are storing? Or do you want to be increasing their brain's capacity for processing data? So kind of to put it, um, to put it really bluntly, like if you're going to compare it to a computer, it's sort of like RAM versus hard drive. Um, so, you know, do, or, or I guess RAM and processors speed um versus hard drive so do you want you know huge ram um amazing ability to process data at very high speeds or do you just want lots of data storage and 
as far as I'm concerned, I'm always going to choose the high speed um, computer over something with just a massive hard drive of you know audio files or whatever it is. Um, and and so if we take it back to minor nation, what what do, what is it that happens in the brain that increases the speed at which we can process data? And that's myelination. So myelination is the process by which the brain deposits a kind of a a, um, a, a fatty substance on the con- the nerve connections between right and left hemispheres, um, which increases the electrical conductivity of those those nerves. So, and th- this this can be really built up layer by layer, very very thickly and substantially, and it creates these kind of data superhighways in the brain. So if you think of going from kind of dial-up internet to super fast broadband, that's the kind of concept you should have when you're thinking about this. Yep. Now, we have generally in our brains, we only have a couple of these substantially myelinated pathways from our normal learning experience in life. The the potentially some of the kind of outliers for that would be kind of in bilingual children, things like that. Um, but by and large, we we just have these kind of like one or two um, substantially myelinated pathways, um, and possibly those are those are kind of created through learning to walk and talk, things like that. Now, for in in education, um, one of the real questions I think is how do you get to the point where you can increase, if you like, the number of these substantially myelinated pathways and the the amount that they are myelinated. So you want to have more high-speed data um, transfer points in your brain is basically what you want to have for, for a higher IQ, a better functioning brain. Yeah. And so what is the activity which stimulates that above everything else? And time and again, it is, it is coming out um, that instrumental music or rather instrumental music practice is, um, it is, is far and above the one thing that can truly stimulate myelination and multiple myelinated pathways. Now it becomes like it becomes a bit more obvious if you think about it. So if you think um think of like the sort of playing a violin or something like that, you, you've got your your fine motor skills, your gross motor skills going on. Um, you've, you're reading a piece of music, a different language. Um, you're then translating that into into these these movements. Um, at the same time as as taking, if you like, a kind of oral feedback loop. So you're listening to what's being produced. You're, the, you're analyzing that sound simultaneously. All this is happening at the same time. You're analyzing that sound going, do is that the right timbre? Is that the right volume? Do I need to adjust the tuning? You're making those adjustments as you're doing it. At the same time as, yep, still reading further along in the music, you're also engaging parts of your brain like emotion and um, you might even be counting simultaneously because you want to know the, the rhythm, you know, is this yeah. one and two and three and a four and whatever. Um, and it's so many different parts of the brain simultaneously that basically your brain cannot pass all of the data um, along your your standard pathways. It, it needs to find those new pathways. So it starts to stimulate new um, new pathways being myelinated and then as you rehearse repeat 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 they get myelinate more and more myelinated um until you've kind of created these extra additional 
data superhighways. Now, it it maybe at this point you're thinking, really, this sounds crazy. I don't. I'm not sure. I quite believe this. You know, musician. He's very biased. Well, the thing is, I I can take you. I can show you in an MRI scanner, and we can look at how big your corpus callosum is, and then we can we can work out a rough estimate of what that means you're likely to have done in terms of music practice as a child. Because if it's if it's more than like two or three hours a week over the course of three years, then your corpus callosum is going to be 20% larger than someone who hasn't wow. practiced music. And, you know, I, I, like that's, it's not a small amount. Yeah. It really isn't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, actually in a lot of the studies, rather than treat rather rather than treating this as a as a spectrum of like how much have you practiced they've treated it as binary and yet they've still seen so by, by binary i mean as in you you've either learnt music or you haven't rather than like did you practice which is the crucial thing even in those studies you're still ending up seeing a, an impact which might equate to like an increase of seven to ten I, iq um, points or p- percentage which again it's it's a huge increase. Like these, we're yeah. not talking about small things. Um, and yeah, so w- one of the things that I'm really keen to to see is, is that, yeah, we, we focus on the stuff which is going to help children learn to learn. Do we want them to learn or do we want them to learn to learn? I love the learning to learn because then you've set them up for life, haven't you? They can, they, they can, they, they can keep learning for the rest of their life. They can be, um, you know, enthusiasts about all, all the things that they, they want to get interested in and, and execute um, because they've got that ability to, to learn and understand, to process and apply. And uh, again, another interesting thing on, on this, um, you're going to have to tell me if I need to be quiet, but um, is that if you, if you then, um, if you look at the difference in, uh, again, a, a, someone who's like working on a maths problem, um, who isn't a musician, who hasn't done a significant amount of music practice. If you look at um, brain imaging of what's being engaged in their brain while working on a math puzzle versus someone who has learned a musical instrument, it's really interesting, again, because it's a very, very different picture. You, you've got one or two areas lighting up um, when you haven't learned a musical instrument. When you have, you've got multiple different areas of the brain which wouldn't normally be associated with um with with math mathematical reasoning that the brain has like pulled in for help yeah. uh it, it, it's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna bring some extra processing power uh, and i've got these highways i can i can easily pull in these bits that we wouldn't normally use and i can you know process a whole load of data through there um it's it's quite incredible yeah and i i think i don't know if this is a myth but uh, I've heard uh, many times that uh, there is a correlation between being good at music and math. And, uh, and uh, so I, I don't know if it's true or not, but it makes sense. Um, and um, yeah, I, can, I, 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 I can relate to your story because yeah. my, my first instrument, which I started when I was uh, six or seven, was the violin. And uh, I now realize mm. that I didn't really know what's going on. Uh, I, I didn't realize all of what you said was going on <laughs> when I was uh, uh, <laughs> practice, practicing. And uh, and uh, like uh, like most uh, children, I didn't like practicing. And and also what's interesting yeah. is that uh, I think many uh, uh, adults, including teachers, um, I think they look at the goal of, uh, of playing a musical instrument is to... Um, play these pieces 
or even play more difficult pieces. But what you are saying is, mm-hmm. is I think, very important because um, it's less important if they succeeded in getting, you know, this difficult piece, uh, you know, uh, in control, uh, but rather the, what what it took to get there and, and what they went through, yeah. regardless of what they achieved. Yeah, the actual yeah. practice itself. Yeah. So, um, which is where the big benefit yeah. is compared to you know the you know the badge yeah 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 absolutely um and it's it so my my what i think um if you're going to do a sort of metadata analysis um what seems to be the picture is that there is this 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 cor- not correlation causation of quantity increase of quantity in music practice to an increase in myelination to an increase in attainment across all subjects so there kind of is a correlation between being good at maths and music but there's also a correlation between being good at music and literally every other subject yeah um because it increases your brain's capacity to learn and to adapt and to process new information and at what ages are we looking for so it's it's actually it's actually good for you whatever age. Um, so um, there's, there's kind of there's broadly you broadly normally break down kind of three phases of myelination. I mean, actually, it, it's more like a just a slow deterioration from birth, which then actually age thirty, your brain pretty much stops kind of producing myelin of its own volition. Okay, um, and one of the only ways post 30 to stimulate myelination again is, is is instrumental music practice but you've got this really highly active um point of your life where where you're really able to kind of myelinate quite significantly and that's sort of up to seven and then uh, you kind of think maybe seven to 13 is sort of the next the next phase where it's a bit of a step down but it's still you know hugely active and then if you think of a kind of slow decline from 13 to 30 um that kind of gives you a bit of a picture um, and so, yeah, one of, one of the things that I'm fascinated by with, with is, you know, actually, um, uh, it, it looks like the the attainment gap um, between uh, those who come from uh, disadvantaged backgrounds and those um, who are more affluent, it looks like that attainment gap is, is basically the same as, if you like, a myelination gap coming into school. Um, so by the time they kind of start their education, they're already this step behind in terms of their brain's ability to process information. Uh, and so one of my questions, what I'd love to see is like, if you tackle that with instrumental music practice really early on and particularly target those from um, disadvantaged backgrounds, could you see that attainment gap close? Could you see it narrow? Yeah, very um, interesting. Yeah. Because... The ev- evidence suggests you could, and it wouldn't even take that long. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think, um, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I would love to see, and I think could be a huge impact of what we're doing with supervised music practice. We're actually, um, we're running a, a case study this year in a, a school in um, Birmingham, John Henry Newman Catholic College, um, and they've uh, they've got a lot of children um, from who are um, People premium uh, children, so who who are coming from a uh, a poorer background, um, and 
Yeah, so it's it's one of the things we we want to start to understand more of. So we've uh, we we're providing guided practice for a, a cohort. Um, I think it's about thirty or forty, um, so that we can we can start to understand this a little bit more. You know, can we can we see even over the impact of one two years? Can we start to see that impact of um, supervised music practice helping close the attainment gap? So that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's very interesting. Um, so, if you look at the future of this um, uh, ecosystem, where where is this heading? Where are you seeing uh, practice pile go next, and uh, the role of it in the future, in your opinion? Big question. Uh, do I want to have in spoilers? Is that uh, you know? Is that is that not a thing? I'm sure, shouldn't I be worried? Uh, I don't want to give all of the the fun away. I mean, the, the, there's there's some pretty cool things we're working on at the moment. So we're we're doing. I I mean, it seems crazy, but it, it seems to be the case that no one has really tackled progress tracking in instrumental music before, um, or at least. If they have, they've tended to give up. Um, and but um, that's one of the things we're actually going to be releasing a feature in the next couple of months, which is, I, I think, going to be one of the most progressive and cool progress tracking features uh, for this. So we, we, we're, we're basically um, making it so that you kind of you, you can set your the, the next broadly speaking the next level or grade you're you're working towards so let's say you're working towards grade three um now you can set as a teacher you can set the components the elements that are going to make up the distance from where you are now to if you like completing grade three um and then you're going to be able to have a, a an incremental percentage bar for each of those elements so let's say you've got three pieces scales arpeggios orals sight reading whatever it is you've got all of those different elements um and then uh each each week you can you can move the slider a little bit further along for each one of those different elements and it will be amalgamated into one progress bar so that a child and their parent and the teacher can understand um broadly speaking how much progress are, the, are my students making how how faster we we progressing and then we'll be able to spot for example which students need more attention right right now which students which students are actually they're they're flying way faster than other people um that's something that needs to be celebrated or um yeah. we need to look for new opportunities for them things like that and but then you, there's also that, implications um... for sorry go ahead sorry yeah no, well, no, i was just I saying was... there's implications for <laughs> we've no, got go that ahead, zoom sorry. the typical zoom scenario yeah there's implications for schools where they can understand as well their if you like aggregated progress for instrumental music and that that can start to become really powerful because you can then break that down by different categories so english is an additional language for example or people premium background or SEND. you can break those down and you can see actually how is the the rate of progress comparing between those different those different sub subsets and therefore what actions do we need to take as a result and that is immensely powerful that's, that's one of the things that gets me quite excited i think this is 
is going to be a pretty cool step forward for us. So progress tracking, that's that's on its way coming soon. Um, you were going to ask a question. What was yeah, that? I was, sorry? I, I was going to ask, um, uh, is this something that, um, uh, that uh, isn't it natural for a teacher to, to kind of know where the student is? Or uh, so uh, um, where, is, uh, uh, where is the big impact for the uh, teacher? in your opinion well we have we've asked a lot of teachers um so we've surveyed surveyed a lot of teachers we've got a lot of data on what is currently going on in in instrumental music lessons and at the moment all of this is 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 basically it's just it's in the instrumental music teacher's head um and you're making a rough judgment and you're relying on your own ability to think which students which students are progressing slower, which students, you know, need more attention. And, um, and so this is an opportunity essentially to, to, to do what most teachers want to do, which is, is to do that better. Um, yeah. Now, many of the, the teachers we've talked to say, actually they've tried, they've, they've tried to create spreadsheets to track this. They've tried lots of different systems. They've used like effort scores and um, like grade scores and things like that. And, and we didn't actually find any teachers who had tried and continued. They yeah. had all given up because they were like, actually it just, in the end, it, it doesn't work. Um, and that was why we wanted to say, well, look, let's let's try and make sure you have the tools to do what you want to do because yeah. you know especially as a music teacher myself i know how crucial this is if i could have had a graph that showed me how all of my students were kind of doing in their progress oh that would have been amazing um and so i, I want to make sure that teachers do have those tools that that they can they can see what it is that's going on they can make sure they're doing the the best that they can do because the the thing that is most rewarding for teachers and that they tell us the whole time is most rewarding is is seeing their pupils flourish in making music yeah um and and so they they want to see the most progress that that their students are capable of achieving that's the most rewarding thing for them and for the student yeah i think i think until you mention it and, and until you make a point of it i didn't uh realize really how big big this could be because every other subject is being measured and uh yeah. i'm not and uh, i'm not even um i don't even mean in exams or tests i mean you know especially uh, mm -hmm. when you look at all the education technology uh, that's being developed a lot of it is for helping let's say math teachers to to pinpoint where the student is struggling and and so on it makes so much sense over there and um it's kind of completely overlooked the music so it's a it's really amazing yeah. to step up yeah. and uh, and uh, and add that to the mix because only once you add it i think you can see how uh, uh how it's really missing i can imagine that yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. Yeah. wow that's great it's it's, it's going to be fun it's going to be really fun yeah so um, um yeah so, so yeah that's that's wonderful now um um I, I want to end with asking about, you know, teachers who are listening to us. It could be um, the academic teachers as well as the uh, music teachers, obviously. Uh, how do they uh, find out about PracticePal? Uh, what's the right path to get it started in school even? So 
I mean, get in touch. <laughs> the, the, the starting point is probably go to our website, um, practicepalmusic.com. Okay. And Practice there's lots of ways to get in touch. And then there's lots of ways to get in touch um, on, on the website. You'll be able to uh, find out more information uh, for each of those different kind of roles as, as well. Um, but the the best way is booking in a time to, to chat. So we actually try and make it really easy for people to talk to us. We don't hide behind um, lots of automated bots that point you in the direction of unhelpful answers. Um, you can actually directly from our website, you can book in slots to have a video call with us and talk about what what we're doing um, and how the tech works. So that's that's the best way to do it because we can we can then screen share. We can show you what's most relevant for you. Understand your school setup, um, the needs you have. Um, each school is is different, and that means that we can we can make sure that we we show you the the, the stuff that's most relevant to you. And do, and do you find? Uh... Do you find that the first step is usually taken by the music teacher or by the school? What do you usually find? It's actually, it's it actually varies quite a lot. Um, so I think the most the most common is ahead of music. Most common is ahead of music. Ahead of music, okay. Then, yeah, probably the next is next most common first point of contact might be a data manager or an IT lead. Um, or we do actually have quite a lot of um, head teachers who get in touch themselves and say, actually, I hadn't been thinking about instrumental music. And then I've asked, uh, I asked our head of music how many peripatetic music teachers we have. And it turns out we have 18. Um, and then I asked them, how many students do they teach? And they said, I don't know, because we don't have a way of collating all of that information. Yeah, yeah. So I'll have to look on their timetables, you know, give me an hour and I'll uh, I'll get back to you with a number. And then I said, you know, how, how's everything going? And and they they weren't entirely sure. And so, you know, actually, can can I have a look at your software? Because I'd like to understand what's going on in, in the instrumental music music department just as much as I'd like to understand what's going on in biology or maths or English. Yeah, yeah which is again making use of the data that you collect so uh yeah that's it yeah that's very important and uh and for parents who just uh, simply want their uh, children to practice better and practice more they can actually get your assistance with your um uh, you know practice uh, mentors yeah yeah and yeah and you don't even have to be so your school doesn't even have to be um on board we it it, it works um you know it, you can sign up again from the website so practicepowermusic.com if you go to the the guided practice um part on, on our website um then you'll you'll find information and details about signing up for um the, the guided practice and you'll be able to have regular slots with our mentors and yes you will see some amazing progress Wow. <laughs> Ross, thank you so much. This is uh, really exciting. And um, well, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, excellent. And uh, I encourage everyone to uh, go to uh, practicepanmusic.com and uh, check it out and uh, look at what's happening in uh, your school or for parents who have children who are uh, uh, practicing a musical instrument. Uh, it's a uh, it's great to know that these tools exist. I I uh, recently found out about you, and uh, it's very very excited. So thank you so much again. 
Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too. Excited to see what happens in music education. Thank you for listening. This has been the Teaching Edge podcast, and we will see you soon in our next episode. Visit our website at theteachingedge.org.